0: Welcome on into the program. You know what it is, two Z's and O.C. That would be Lorenzo Alexander, Sean O'Connell, and yours truly, Zachariah. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, two Z's and O.C. Gentlemen, let's start with week four. We'll work our ways backwards. So we'll start with Monday night's games. And I think of all the things that you could put on Bill Belichick's resume, this might be the one that's numero uno, slowing down Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs. The Chiefs end up getting a pit six. And winning twenty six to ten, but at halftime it was six to three. And I know Belichick gets the proper amount of due for being such a defensive genius, but I was just shocked to see what looks like such a huge juggernaut in Kansas City get slowed down on Monday night.
1: Yeah, and it could have been worse. I mean, if you think about McCourty picking that ball off in the first quarter on that first drive, that game is drastically different. And there was a couple of other opportunities that the defense had for the Patriots to be able to win that game last night. But Belichick has just always done a great job of just game planning, making you play left-handed, and taking away some of your top-tier players and making other guys, you know, your your third and fourth option, try to beat you. And so with that team, it's just well-coached. But what we did see is and is a, a weakness is starting to come awry with the Patriots is, they're starting to fall apart. Where in most of these tight games, historically, especially during Tom Brady's era, other teams would fold under the pressure. You know, other teams would have would have had the the drop pass for a pick six to the touchdown to really change the dynamic of the game. And so, even though Belichick and them did, they did a great job defensively and showing slowing down one of the top offenses and staying in that game. Given all the people that opted out, given the, the change in the week, given traveling on the same day, they still started to show a little bit of a weakness where other teams normally would do that in years past when playing the Patriots team.
2: Uh, I just, I'm impressed that they were in this game at all. When I saw all of those things you just mentioned, they were going to have to travel same day. They're going to have to do all this crazy stuff. And, and most importantly, <laughs> Brian Hoyer was going to be in the game for them. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like, ah, oh, I mean, maybe maybe against the Miami Dolphins, you can pull out a win like that. Shout out to the only Miami Dolphins. <laughs> in right. Leave my boys alone. We're just waiting for two of the savior. Yeah, yeah. No, but like in all reality, if you, if you can make lemonade out of those lemons, you're really an excellent coach. But yeah, I felt like as soon as it was Cam tested positive for coronavirus, ruled out, there was no chance for them to even compete in this game. And they at least competed.
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely can't, having Cam would have helped. And Hoyer was awful. And then Stenham yeah. comes in, and he didn't, he didn't look any better. So the fact that they were even – and then, yeah, so you were talking about some opportunities that were missed from the Patriots. Also, don't forget the sack that was called instead of a fumble because Mahomes dropped the ball before oh, he got yeah. to the ground. But they, they said yeah. that, uh, well, you know, whatever some, the rule is, forward progress.
1: Something is going on with that because the same exact play happened in the Bills-Raiders game when the Bills sacked Derek Carr, and he fumbled the ball, they said forward progress stopped. And so, you know, my mind always starts to spin. It's got to be some type of conspiracy that the, the front office calling in, hey, we got too many injuries. As soon as these quarterbacks get wrapped up, hey, we got to blow it. I don't even care if it gets blown dead or not. He's down. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it, because it, it's, it's crazy that you see two identical plays like that back, back without some type of emphasis coming from the top down to these, to these referees because the calls were the same, and you got the same outcome as far as it being called back. And then what does Andy Reid do? He brings his punt team out there extremely quickly and <laughs> ball away where well, you didn't have a chance to even really review or to think about it. Yeah, the forward
0: progress thing is not a reviewable call. I'm sure Belichick would have did it. But, yeah, I mean, to go back to just how good Belichick is, there's only been three times in Patty Mahomes' career where he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in the first half. All three games are against the Patriots. So, I mean, he just seems to be the one guy. Belichick seems to be the one guy that can slow him down. But Mahomes also does this thing. Remember, he did this in all the playoff games and in the Super Bowl where he goes down big. It's almost like he's not trying or he's trying to make it harder on himself or something. But something always happens in the second half. Because I think the Texans were up, what, 24 to nothing of them in the playoffs last year? And then, you know, the Niners were up 20 to 10. So it just seems like he kicks something
1: into gear in the second half. And that was amazing how they got back into that game. But, again, going back to Belichick, I mean, he, they're just a well-coached football team up there. And they've done a year in and year out as far as inserting player X after, you know, a Jamie Collins leaves, a Chandler Jones leaves. Uh, they've always been able to replace guys. It's because it's about the culture and mm-hmm. the system, at least defensively, mm-hmm. as as they have. And you got to go out there and execute. And that's what it's all about. Most of these times where you see teams – that just get beat every single week, it's a lack of execution. It's really about talent. Yeah, you got ultra-talented guys, but if you execute, if you are where you're supposed to be, what Bill has told you all week, if you're in the gap he told you to be in, if you're looking at this three-by-one route and and, uh, the cheat is at number two and he's told you this route is going to be there, you have to be able to dial that up, and he's always had his players being able to be able to do that, and that's why he gives really almost every team he plays issues, because his, his players are able to take the information that he knows and go out there and execute it week in and week out.
0: Yeah, and then also, I mean, look at the Super Bowl against the Rams. They had such the, you know such a high-octane offense, and that game was one of the ugliest Super Bowls, I think, of my entire lifetime. But, yeah, I mean, it's like the phrase that he chants in the, I think it was the Super Bowl parade or whatever, and he chants, do your job. It was like hella corny. probably had a couple pops. He was feeling himself. But that's like his main slogan, do your job.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's everybody's. I mean, even in Buffalo, they have a, a thing called One Eleventh. Uh, You know, everywhere I, I've been, you know, do your job. Do what you've yes. coached, do all week, and we'll come out here and, and win. People get issues and players get in trouble when they try to do too much or try to do their own thing or they think they see something and then guess. Sometimes they're right, but a lot of times guys are wrong, and, and, and that leads to big plays. And in this league, you give up too many big plays, too many of those explosion plays. You're gonna lose uh, a lot more of those games than you win. The
0: other Monday night game, Falcons-Packers, and boy, what a difference a year makes! And the Falcons are just a dumpster fire. They knew they now move to 0-4. I'm not sure how long Quinn's gonna keep his job, but the Packers beat him 30 to 16. Rodgers just looks so comfortable in this offense. But one of the things that he said after the game, and I wanted to ask you this, he was saying how much more comfortable he is with LaFleur and that they're on the same page. I realize that chemistry is a thing, but it, can it really be processed
1: over a year like that? Yes, it can be. If you hate your coach or if you have animosity or resentment towards your coach, it bothers anybody, any yeah. relationship. Just think about, well, I know you're not married, Zach, but just imagine you're a significant other and y'all have tension. You're not going to operate at the same level you do when y'all are on one accord. And that thing yeah. with any type of relationship that you have, um, and so, yeah, you, it, it, it's something totally that comes off of your back that you no longer have to worry about or think about, uh, or oh, man, I got to listen to this guy. Again, you actually come to work with a certain joy and happiness on your heart and you just do better and everybody can feel it. And it transcends the production on the field. As we're seeing right now, the dude is playing lights out. Um, and, and it's just balling. I mean, obviously he's probably, 1A, 1B with him and Russ the way they've been playing quarterback this year. Aaron Rodgers is a different animal, and I think part of
2: the thing that's helping him now is he feels comfortable and he can be public about. It. Just that little comment he had on the Pat McAfee show today, you guys saw that? No, I missed it. So they asked that he was – it was Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk were interviewing Aaron Rodgers, and they alluded to the fact, hey, last year was a bit of a down year for you. You struggled a little bit last year, which he – they were 13-3 team. He had 4,000 yards and, like, 26 touchdowns to four interceptions. It wasn't a bad year by any stretch of the imagination. And Aaron Rodgers said, it's funny you mention that because a down year for me is a career year for a lot of quarterbacks. Right. And like, that kind of diplomacy, uh, the lack of diplomacy, I should say, is something that, you know, I, I he's socially, uh, from the terms of, like, being, like, the NFL darling, he's never really – hit that cord because he seems like kind of a, I don't know, a, a cold personality. But I think now he just doesn't give a you-know-what, and he's able to do that, and it reflects in his
1: play. Yep. Yeah. yeah he got that chip on his shoulder. I mean, he's he's been walking around the league trying to destroy it ever since he sat in that green room for five hours and went number 22 overall instead of number one overall. So that's his personality. You know, he's a killer. You know, it's that mama mentality, and, uh, you know, that's what you got to love about him. He's going to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: tell me this, because a lot of people after his another great performance by Aaron Rodgers were saying, hey, drafting Jordan Love was maybe the thing that motivated him. And if so, that is that's something like I don't I don't put that much credence into it, but it feels like a lot of NFL folks are putting a lot of
1: juice behind that. What do you think of that theory that it it lit another fire? I mean, you just rallied off. His stats last year. I mean, he's he's been motivated, has been. I mean, I don't know how much more motivated that added to it. I mean, I'm gonna show you guys. I'm gonna show you uh, Green Bay. I'm about to put up all these yards and (laughs) go to the playoffs and win us a Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. See, a great individual, Hall of Fame caliber players. Any one of them that I've had a chance to be around, play with, get to know, they are intrinsically (laughs) motivated and nothing outside of them being the best ever really moves the needle for him. So you could draft and bring in whoever you want to be. They're so locked into who they are and how dominant they are that they're not even worried about it because they know those guys can't touch them. He's not worried about Jordan Love one bit because of who he is and what he's able to do, and there's no way you can pull him at all. And so does it motivate him to do Better, I say no, because he's already out here trying to prove a point because he wants to win another championship. If anything is motivating him, is it's that and being considered one of the greatest of all time that ever played it and not just the uh, the greatest – you know, he wants to be mentioned in the, in the realm of a Brady, not just the greatest talented quarterback, but I want to be the greatest that played this position. So he knows he has to win more championships to accomplish that, and so that's what motivates him, not some dude that – ain't gonna play until he decides he's he's ready to, to move on or you know the team decides to to release him and or trade him some way
0: I'm sure it doesn't hurt though because you remember with the last dance in Jordan he was constantly looking for reasons to be pissed or have a chip on his shoulder or whatever to like really stuff it down your throat so I get what you're saying guys want to be great no matter what but I'm sure it adds a little bit of fuel to the fire <laughs> maybe And he probably more than anything, he was probably just annoyed because he he would have rather gotten a wide receiver or a running back or an offensive lineman or whatever, something to actually help him out. Anyways, speaking of great, I know you're waiting to get to this, so 12 touchdowns. One interception, a buck twenty two point seven rating so far, and your Buffalo Bills are four and zero, led by Josh Allen. Would he you did make a candidate? The, yes, yes. <laughs> What'd you make of the Bills Raiders game?
1: It, it happened exactly what I thought. You know, I thought the score would have been. I, you know, before it, I was on my man on the show with uh, one, my boy Kenny King out there out of Oakland. Oh this. yeah.
0: Speaking of which, my girl brought that up to me, and yeah. she like she texted me or she called me. I didn't answer. And then she texts me, like, call me back 911. And so I call her back and she's like, You know Lorenzo did a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, baby, people go all on on all sorts of stuff. She thought you were like cheating on me and she was like <laughs> snitch. She, she she was like ratting you out. And I'm like, no, baby. People go on. She thought you just if you just did one, you, were, you it was supposed to be like
1: a marriage. You weren't supposed Albert, to go. Yeah, tell her I'm I'm not getting paid yet anyway. So uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, just like that ring not on her finger, it makes a difference too. But back to back to my point, it, it it turned out just I thought the score would have been 30-17. They got a late a touchdown late that really didn't matter. But um I thought if the defense was able to stop the run, um, uh, which they held Jacobs pretty controlled him pretty well. I think only had eighty yards or so, that they were going to be able to win this game. And then you can't keep up with Josh Allen in that offense right now. Just the amount of yards um that they're putting up the points. It's just hard to do that week in and week out. And I didn't think this Raiders team was built to be that explosive. And yeah, they I know they have uh Waller and they have Renfro and, and they got some weapons, but these guys handled them well. And then over the, at the end of the day, the Bills were able to create those two turnovers. Should have had one more, but having Josh Norman out there, he became a bell car as far as punching the ball out, got things rolling and
0: mm-hmm. really helped
1: control this game uh, in the second half. So it was uh, about what I expected the score to be as well as how the game would play out. I mean, if,
2: if you're going to keep asking about the young Mr. Allen and the Bills, like my answer is probably going to be the same every time. I'm just really impressed with the fact that he has taken such a significant leap. Uh, that's what you expect from a guy who's who's being given the keys to the kingdom, but it doesn't always deliver, right? And people don't always deliver when they're put in that position and uh he should be. Really proud of the progress he's made. I think his teammates, uh, he, he's in a great situation with the surrounding personnel. The coaching staff has equipped him with all of the necessary things that he needs to succeed. I don't think, I think they ask him to do just the right amount. They're not asking him to do too much. Uh, and by the way, like they had some maybe not main superstars out, but they had some important role players in that offense who were not even in the game. The um, Zach Moss, the backup running back, number two running back, is an important player for them. So, like,
0: they're only going to get better when everyone's healthy. They're a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the schedule's going to get a, a little bit harder here. They've played the Jets, the the Dolphins, the
1: Rams, and the Raiders. So, we'll yep. see when, this, w- when the schedule gets tougher. Like they should be treated. Every single game, they treated them the way they should be treated. The only thing that's kind of been lackluster – um, and it's starting to look like it's about to start to correct itself. Is is the defense, and I and I'm gonna credit that to a lot of defenses around the league look similar. So probably the lack of a having preseason has kind of put them behind the eight ball a little bit. But they, if they continue to come on and progress and play like they did this this Raiders offense, which has put up some points that has done well. Um, if they can continue to play this well this team is going to be really hard to beat. And, and yes, we, and they even play the, the Chiefs, I think, in a couple of weeks. They got the Titans this week, which is going to be obviously a really physical game. And this is going to be a real great test as far as stopping the run because you got the king and having to deal with him. He's a big body and loves to run the ball. And then obviously going next week and playing Patrick Mahomes and, and all that they bring. And so these two weeks are really going to be a telltale whether or not the Bills are a pretender or a contender. And obviously, in my mind, I think they're right up there in a a contender, the way they've been playing and progressing, especially with this offense scoring over 30 points a game. Tell you what, these next two
2: weeks are important, but also one that on paper, I don't think is going to be all that compelling for some people. But if you're a Bills fan, it should matter to you is that November 1st matchup with the Patriots, because there's the mental block of the Patriots having always been big brother in your division and someone that you, you can't get over that hurdle for whatever the case is. And if you can, you know, let's say even if they lose to the Titans and the Chiefs, and then they'll beat the Jets on the road, and then they come back to Buffalo to take on the Patriots, you get a win there, and maybe you're building a little bit more belief in yourself that you can actually win the division and that you graduated beyond that shadow. I think that one's going to be important from a mental perspective, if not sexy on paper.
0: Of course. Yeah. What about the other side? Derek Carr. He didn't have a terrible game. 32 of 44 for 3-11. Two touchdowns, no picks. But I just want he's a guy where he always looks really good when everything around him is really good. But when stuff breaks down, I mean, that goes for anybody. But there's a lot of other guys that are able to improvise and get something done. And when stuff breaks down around him, it seems to just like he panics almost. But how much longer do you think the Raiders are going to keep trotting Car out if I mean, they're two and two. It's not like they have a, a losing record. But I just wonder how, how long the leash will be for
1: Carr. Who are you going to put in there? That's better than Derek Carr. Who's who's your your next best option?
0: I I have no idea. Marcus Mariota? No, I'm I'm usually the one defending Carr. So I, I'm, I understand.
1: I'm I'm I mean, there's nobody that you can replace him with right now. Um, he's going to put you in a position to win. I think over the course of his of a season, right? And so yeah, when he have those moments, it's like, oh my god, what was you thinking? I mean, Josh Allen has those moments. There are a lot of quarterbacks that have those moments. You know, we can't continue to compare guys to. You know, Mahomes, Russell, uh, Aaron, those dudes are on a whole nother level. You just got to put guys where they're at and see where they're at. And Carr is a quarterback in this league that can continue to make the throws and put you in a position to win. Now, if they want to make a move in the offseason or through the draft, that's, that's something different. But yeah. right now, I mean, he's giving them the best option. His leash is as long as you can imagine because there's nobody that's going to come off that bench and, and give them any more. It's most likely going to be a lot less. Than what he's been able to provide so far during the season, and what he will will. Be. But just look at what he has to work with, and
2: I'm, I'm not a big defender of Derek Carr necessarily. I think you know, I, I do what you do, so I put him where he's at. Like he's he's a guy who's you know maybe in that 10 to 12 range, maybe he's as high as eighth best quarterback in the league, just depending on the week. But he's not the problem with your offense right now. Look at just look at the stat sheet from this week. Look at his weapons right some people love darren waller okay i'll i'll give you that hunter renfro is a a great possession receiver right he's not a game breaker he's not a guy that's going to change the complex defensive scheme that somebody's throwing at you i mean when alec ingold is getting a couple of freaking receptions in a game it's just the weapons that he has to work with versus the weapons that even josh allen had to work with it's a significant enough difference that you can't bench Derek Carr for not winning games with those, with those weapons at his disposal.
1: Right. And I think a lot of people, to that point, look at like uh, Aaron Rodgers, for example. And this is why I say you got to place him where he's at and say, well, Aaron Rodgers don't got nobody either. Devontae Adams was out. You got, all, you got a guy that never caught touchdown passes in the league before. Well, slow down. <laughs> DC is good, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers makes people around him better. He's just on another level. And so that's where I think the hiccup gets when you look at Derek Carr and you try to evaluate him uh, and compare him to the the next next man, whether it's Russ or Aaron, and you see what they have. Be happy with what you have. It could be a lot worse. Believe me, I've been on teams the quarterbacks that are horrid, and you knew you didn't even have a shot going into the game. So DC is 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 a solid quarterback. Obviously, we saw where he, where he was going, probably around like 2016. I was on a great trajectory, then he suffered an injury, and then it's just kind of been a, 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 a climb and, I guess, a lot of adversity trying to climb back to where he was once was and hasn't quite gotten there. And maybe that's what people remember, too, you know, putting up on those yards, being a prolific offense, and they know what's in there and get frustrated because they haven't seen the consistency week in and week out uh, based on what they've seen him do, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, tough
0: one for Raider Nation. Well, let's just do some general NFL news Houston's fire coach GM Bill O'Brien after 4 start in a, in a sign of how quickly things can change. He went from being up 24 nothing on Patty Mahomes and the Chiefs last year to being out of a job. It was always kind of confusing to me. Like, have you ever heard the phrase, fail up? It felt like he was failing up, like he was
1: failing, but then
0: they were giving him more jobs. Uh, what did you
1: make of the firing? Uh, I mean, it was, it's, it's what you expect. I mean, um, obviously having that meltdown last year. I mean, I think even last year they started off, they have never started off great. they've always been a team to come on strong at the end of the season um and so you couple that with the the meltdown in the playoffs last year. then you add in uh trading away the probably the best receiver top three receiver, however you want to talk about it in hopkins and and what you gave him away for and what you got out of that deal and then you have a, a quarterback that's on the rise and you and now he's struggling because his his guy isn't there. And now you add in an 0-4 start, you have to take all the blame because not only are you the head coach and you just, you're working with the guys, you actually gave yourself the guys to work with. So there's nobody to even to point to as far as a GM to say, well, he ain't giving me enough talent. I'm just working with what I have. You are responsible for, for everything that has happened. And so, you know, everybody can't beat Bill Belichick. Everybody can't do that job. So he needs to figure out what his lane is, and maybe if he gets a job next time, he allows the owner or, you know, within his system to get a GM because everybody's not cut from the same cloth and are not able to hold two hats of that stature, and and be able to operate on a level that's going to bring success in production, that's going to provide you job security.
2: If you want to do both of those jobs in the NFL, and Zoe can speak to this better than I can for sure, haven't been in the league for as long as he was, I think if you want to hold both of those jobs, if you want to wear both of those hats, you have to have credentials, like Bill Belichick has, and or you got to have vision, like a really particular, specific vision of what your team is going to be. And as soon as you traded away DeAndre Hopkins, people should have known that your vision was flawed. You (laughs) cannot keep finding – like I get it. You can replace good players in the game of football. You cannot replace elite players in football with extra bodies – with the five decent receivers is not one DeAndre Hopkins. That's just, we should have learned this by now. Every little league kid with a Madden team knows this by now. You cannot, You have to have a very, very specific vision, and that vision better be geared toward maximizing things like that kind of a weapon. So he doesn't have the credentials to weather a storm like this the way that Bill Belichick might. And I don't think his vision is quite so focused and clear as uh, as Bill's is. Trying to copycat all that is admirable, but if you're going to live by your own sword, you got to die by your own sword, too, and that's what he did. He, he said, I'm going to make these controversial choices, and fans aren't going to like them. Maybe even ownership isn't going to like them, but I'm being given the power to do this. Guys on the team aren't going to like it, but I'm going to do it, and they're going to follow me, and it just didn't happen for him. So he'll go be a coordinator somewhere, maybe be a college coach for a couple of years. He'll get another job in the NFL when he wants one but he's going to have to let somebody else wear the personnel management hat.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, he needs to learn GMing is not his thing. Just listen to these. He traded uh, Jadavian Clowney to the Seahawks. That same day, he traded two first-round picks and a second-round pick to the Dolphins for left tackle Laramie Tunzel and wide receiver Kenny Stills. Then, okay, if you're going to do that, whatever, but how can you get just a second-round pick and David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, just those two moves right next to each other is the reason why he doesn't have a job. Well,
2: the reason is because you had to maximize value out of getting, getting, getting something for Hop because Hop didn't want to play for you, right? So that's, yeah. that's just as much of the personnel management thing as anything else. you got to get guys to buy into what? Into your vision. And he didn't have that with Hopkins, so his solution was not meet that guy in the middle, not get him on my side was, all right, well, then I'm going to trade him away for <laughs> completely diminished value. It's just,
0: it's not a great situation. How many people are both coaches and GMs in the league that do it well, other than Belichick?
1: I don't, I don't know if there is another one. You
0: would think organizations would learn of seeing how many times it's failed and not do it again. But, well, even this is one thing that I actually I somewhat admire John Gruden for, even though that
2: contract is absurd and I don't think he's ever really going to live up to it. But if you're getting $10 million from an organization every year, they're giving you the kind of power where you get to be the GM if you want to be a GM, right? But instead of saying, no, no, no I'm going to do it all, he at least had the wisdom to be like, I'm going to bring in Mike Mayock.
0: Yeah, and if, even yeah. if that's
2: my guy and we're in lockstep and he's always going to, most of the time, he's always going to agree with me. Just having another head to bounce your ideas off of and things like that yeah. shows some self awareness. Right. He's yeah. guy, you know, I think I think
1: I got all the answers, but I don't want to be the guy who makes the call every single time. So, And then on top of that, Gruden has to make – I mean, he's the offensive coordinator too. I mean, yeah. so I don't know how much Bill O'Brien was involved in the, the game plan week to week, but if yeah, you yeah. add that in there too, I mean, that's another big strain too. Yeah. Because a lot of yeah. times head coaches don't necessarily uh, – if they're a defensive guy or offensive guy, they allow their offensive coordinator – and defensive coordinator to do the game plan. They may sit in the meetings and have some input, but they're not like out there physically going to call the game, come up with the game plan, watching a more extensive film to really break people down. And so if you throw that on top of what Bill O'Brien was doing in Houston, it, it really was – he really was setting himself up for failure.
0: Well, that's the end of the dumpster fire that you would call his run as a GM. Speaking of dumpster fires, the Dallas Cowboys. Good, good God. So – when is the last time you remember seeing a team who had an offense this good and a defense that bad? It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I think you can think about maybe the New Orleans Saints, but they would win the games, though, because of Drew Brees would transcend the game some way and figure out a way how to score, outscore him by one point, and the scores maybe 50 to 49. But He would be on the other end of those, of those games. But, yeah, it is crazy. I mean, just that whole – just think about the whole NFC – east right now, right? <laughs> first place Do team, I have to? <laughs> the first place team is 1-1, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh my god. Really? And then you have the Washington Football Team and the Dallas Cowboys at 1 and 3. It's just it is it is horrid. It may be another what was that NFC South year where they had a 79 team win the division in the Carolina Panthers.
0: Yeah. And then the one year when the Seahawks went seven and nine, and then the Saints had to go play in Seattle, yeah. Yeah. And they ended up losing. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. You may have that, especially if maybe if the Cowboys figure out a way to win the division, uh, because they are so dynamic on offense that you know sometimes it's just, it's just hard to stop, and, and whoever has the ball last is up winning the game. That we could potentially see another seven and nine team get into the playoffs, and then and ultimately win their first round. Do you think they should change that? Do you think they
0: should not get home, like still make the playoffs, but not get home field advantage? I
1: mean, at the end of the day, you would think those teams would win. I was actually on an eleven and five Arizona Cardinals team that played the seventy nine Panthers team. Had to fly across the country, and we lost. So oh. it sucks. I mean, it definitely gives you an advantage. Same thing with New Orleans going to Seattle. I mean, that's a long road trip. Yeah, you know, crazy fan base. So you would, you know anytime that you lose you're like yeah they need to change it they need to change it but hey the rules have been set up the way they have for a long time if you don't want to be one of those teams traveling to win a 79 divisional winner win your division don't be a wild card i mean that's all that's and that's how you guarantee yourself a, a home playoff game
0: yeah well i think i think of any year that they could do it like you've seen baseball add more playoff teams you've seen because of covid and everything else you've seen baseball change rules so like if. If any time they could do it, this could be an exception, especially
1: with the travel being so much difficult. Right, yeah, um, but they're not going to do that. It's too late in the game. That would be something that had to be predetermined, that you go into the season already knowing and understanding.
0: Gotcha, yeah,
1: To so, yeah. so that you know what you got to do. I mean, because right now, coaches, their number one goal is to, it goes like normally it's, hey, we want to go 3-1 and one each, each quarter, finish out 12-4. and four, and win our division so we get a home playoff game. Because, you know, if you get a home playoff game, that it sees your chances to get high, get you know win the first round, and then maybe ultimately get to the second round and then get on the roll and win. And that's normally how the goals go as far as what you're thinking as far as week to week as far as winning your division. If that changed, then they, I know coaches' mentalities would shift, and that's something that the league would have to do on the front end and not get in the middle of this pandemic or this pandemic season and then switch it unless – something significantly happened, and then you they decide to do like maybe kind of what baseball is doing, right, temporary bubbles for AFC or NFC or however they will want to do it regionally. The Dallas defense is almost unexplainable to me.
2: You lost Van Der Esch, right, but you're still supposed to have Smith, Jalen Smith, who's an excellent linebacker. Something's wrong with him. If you watch him in pursuit and things like that, I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he hates his coaching staff. If he's demotivated, I don't know what's going on. Alden Smith is a great a great story, right? It's been 5 years since the dude's even been active on a roster in the league and he's playing pretty darn well. I I'm genuinely confused as to why their defense is that bad because personnel-wise they should
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Well, th- hey, someone's going
1: to have to win. It's Jerry's fault. He babies them too much. It's Jerry's fault. Let's blame Jerry. <laughs> well, so,
0: somebody's going to have to win cuz they got to play each other. <laughs> So it should get a
1: little bit better in the win-loss comp. Oh, well, let's Fit- like split. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <Stick games. laughs> I didn't think about that. Split or tie. <laughs> tie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways, all right, we'll finish up with a little more Bay Love. The um, Eagles and the Niners, that was just a tough spot. So many damn injuries for the Niners. It's just, it's like they are a complete mash unit. But they put up a good fight, only lost by five, 25-20 uh, against Philly Carson Wentz did not look very good but on the other side was Mullins who then had to get benched for Bethard. what'd you make of Sunday night football
1: it was just bad football so I mean I, re- I didn't re- I watched but I didn't watch you know I grew up a Niners fan so I you know I kind of peeked my head in on there from time to time watch the in towards the end of the game I guess but one takeaway you can take away from it is I guess Kittles continues to confirm that he's uh the best tight end in the game he's a he's a, a freaking monster uh with 15 receptions he's just a dog out there it was that iuk had a great run as well but when you have that those, those many injuries it's really hard to overcome i mean he's got so many guys that are going down that you've depended on and now you have to bring guys up to fill their place it's just not going to look the same especially when you're talking about the quarterback and you know people talked about jimmy g significantly I, A lot of people are crying for Jimmy G to get back right so he can get back out there and manage his team in a way that's – because they should have won that game.
0: Yeah.
1: That's what it comes down to. But it comes a lack of experience and leadership from the quarterback position, which they missed out on. So, if anything, I think uh, Jimmy G's star got brighter, at least within the fan base, In the you know, just for the criticism that he's always taken for not being Tom Brady. Well, it's amazing how much a quarterback means. First of all – Can we put some respect on C.J. Beathard's name?
2: Because the man came in as the number three quarterback and ran a very nearly successful two-minute drill. He ran out of time. It wasn't his fault they ran out of time. Uh, He played pretty darn well, considering he got thrown into the fire like that. But injuries, man, like injuries suck. Mike McGlinchey, I don't know what is happening with Mike McGlinchey on the final drive of a game where you whiff on back-to-back plays and put your team, not just your quarterback, your team in a bad situation. You're a first-round draft pick. You're not going to be the guy on the left, but you better be able to hold it down at least on the right side of that offensive line. He had some really unforgivable mistakes in key moments in that game, and when the 49ers have been at their best, they've had excellent offensive line play. It's not a talent issue in that position group right now, but McGlinchy's execution was Sorry. It takes away all the bright spots that you find with Ayuk being the rookie who's back in the lineup and potentially going to be great. You mentioned Kittle, who is the best tight end in the game. If you're going to have injuries all over that defense and even your healthy guys are going to execute so poorly, someone else is going to get injured. So get yourself right, Mike
0: McGlinchey. (laughs) Have you ever marveled that the world can't produce 32 guys that are just really good at playing quarterback? Like, you should have, there should be so many, I just, I it, it boggles my mind when teams lose their quarterback that the guy behind him is not just as good, or at least close to as good. Like, I just, I just wonder how the world has not factored out, or, you know, put him in a factory machine so that we can get, you know, 64 of these guys. How is there only, like, 15? It's It just blows it's my mind.
1: The hardest job in the world. I mean, it's, it's easy to process stuff, but, you know, like Mike Tyson said, everybody a plenty, to get hit in the mouth, and so you add in that factor of getting hit, trying to process things down the field, moving at 100 miles an hour. Do I see this DB? I, I mean, it's just so many factors that go into it, and then I got to be accurate with all this chaos going around me down the field. So, I mean, it makes sense why there's only so few and why they get paid the way they do, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just crazy, and I'm pretty sure some maybe some other factors that probably go into it, but yeah, it's just it's just hard, it's a hard job, the hardest job in sports to do at a high level consistently and you know anybody can come in and have a good two minute drill or maybe a good week or a month but eventually you get tape put out on you and then you get exposed and can you adjust can you switch up are you athletically able to do it or have you reached your ceiling you know uh there's just so many things that go into it that prevent guys from transcending to be a legit quarterback I mean, because even if the guys you're talking about, right, you know, you say just to be average, there's not a lot of average quarterbacks and the guys don't want people don't want just average. They want Aaron Rodgers. And that number even goes down even f- fewer. So it's just something about the processing, being able to be fearless and then be able to, to grow and adjust. And not a lot of people have have the ability to do all those things. And you have to do all those things in order to be elite in the league when you talk about why haven't we
2: why can't we produce 32 quarterbacks that are capable of executing at the nfl level it's the same question although less visibly so it's the same question is why are there not 32 lebron jameses or why are there not 32 Giannis Antetokounmpos who are the yeah. perfect blend of all of the necessary basketball traits because that's if you want to be an elite quarterback if you want to be patrick mahomes or russell wilson or aaron Rodgers. Or even, dare I say it, Tom Brady, although he makes up for his relative lack of athleticism with his brain, right? Like, you just have to be a freakishly unique individual. And and maybe we're trying to recruit that and develop that from the wrong places, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. we need to find the kids who can stay calm in the most gnarly situations in, like, you know, from the inner city or from Afghanistan or go over to the freaking – war-torn Eastern Europe or something. And like, hey, that calm right there. Let's teach him how to play quarterback. That's what it is. You gotta be able to process information quickly, under fire, and then you got to have the arm talent to actually execute. And you got to have decent feet at least. So I don't know, man. It's it's this unique blend of characteristics that even though it doesn't look the same as being seven feet tall, it's the same damn thing as being seven feet tall. If you got all of that you're, there's only 10 of you in America at any given time.
0: Hey, so how thick is the, is the playbook, like your playbook, specifically yours? How much different does it look than the quarterback's playbook?
1: Uh, I mean, a quarterback's playbook is on a whole nother level. Um, they have so much verbiage in there. It's just unnecessary verbiage in my mind. But <laughs> I've, I've had both. You know, I've been on the offensive side and the defensive side. And most defenses are very simple, simplistic. You know, you have your base coverages, one, two, three, four. Uh, you know you have some nickel packages with the same coverages and then you have your blitzes and that's it offenses have you know 12 personnel 21 personnel uh 11 10 um you know 2 by 2 3 by 1 empty uh we're going to you know jet protection 50 protections uh you know hots i mean it has got so many more things and if you get around a coordinator that thinks he's God's gift of football and he <laughs> created the game, it gets even worse. Um, and then you just have all these unique combinations and, and route concepts. Um, and so you have to learn a lot. But at the end of the day, when you really break stuff down, especially from a defense perspective, people fall into their tendencies and things they really love to do. And it's not that much, but the initial just onboarding on of all that information is pretty significant. And that's why guys who've played a lot longer are able to handle more and then maybe switch up and make adjustments in the game where maybe this tendency isn't working that we really love to do. Let's go to something else that we haven't really shown within the game and let's dial this up, which really helps.
0: Yeah, I was just wondering how much thicker – is the QB's one, would you say? Is it like, is it yeah.
1: size? Uh, I mean, it's different now. I mean, guys are walking around with iPads. So oh,
0: yeah, I know, I know.
1: They're all the same thickness, but I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure he, he probably has five times the tabs that I have, you know, as far as, and then each subsection is a lot different. Gotcha. Uh, not only is he has to understand what they're doing, but defenses and, and, and things of that nature that that really pop up that allow quarterback to be, be elite, too, because you have option routes. Okay, so you may have the same play, but based if they're playing uh, cover two, man, or three, you may have three or four different route combinations by one guy that you you have to know within that same offensive play. And so it's just, it's just more complicated. There's, there's more to it versus defense. You just want to see ball, get ball, and that's why you want to simplify things down to the bare minimum. That gives you enough bullets in the gun to, to really affect the offense, but not, too much to where you are uh, paralysis by analysis. Gotcha. Well, COVID
0: took away our sports early in the year, and I was joking with OC. I know I've told him this story that I I barely even knew what Netflix was until they took all my sports away. So I suffered pretty badly in the beginning of the year. But now, as a result of that, now we're getting all the sports in the world. So it's baseball playoffs, it's the NFL, and it's the NBA Finals. OC, did you watch... First of all, the first two games of the finals, it looked like one of those typical basketball things where if you have the two best players on the court, then you're going to win. And then on top of that, Miami got banged up, losing both Bam and Drogic. So nobody was giving him a shot. And then Jimmy Butler, I remember I tweeted out like a few months ago, like, what's to love the most about Jimmy Butler? And I listed all this stuff, you know, like the fact that he was homeless or whatever. You know, he had a real rough childhood. Anyways... That dude just took over game three and literally just said, I don't care that my team's hurt. I don't care that you're LeBron. I don't care that you're Anthony Davis and literally punked them and brought the heat to a game three win. He did,
2: but unfortunately he has to play a best-of-seven series against the two best players in basketball right now or two of the three best players in basketball right now. So, uh, look, I didn't watch game three because of what happened in game one and two. It looked like Miami was just completely overmatched There was nothing that was going to translate for them. I didn't think, quite honestly, that Jimmy Butler had in him to do what he did in Game 3. I wish we could get that fun story of the ragtag band of misfits that all pulled together and took down the nasty LeBron James dynasty with the Lakers. I don't think we're going to get it. This isn't the Mighty Ducks, you know. We're not taking
1: on Mighty Ducks too. We're not taking on Iceland, <laughs>
0: all
1: right? Yeah. So uh, I'm keeping the faith. I'm keeping the faith. I mean, that uh, you know, starting this series, Miami was just beat up. I mean, think about all the guys that went out. But I mean, all those guys have been have been hurt, and those are key pieces. And then couple of that, especially in Game One, the Lakers shot just ridiculous percentage. And so you couple that, and that's why you get a blowout uh, with them being down, being injured, and then the Lakers just being out of this world for that for that specific game. And so that's why it is. You can't really, and I think teams, people maybe get, get caught up in this, you cannot take the momentum of what happened to game one to game two, especially when you're talking about the how they won, when a high percentage shooting, when they're not traditionally shooting the ball that well, especially from the three ball. And so I'm going to give Miami, I mean, they might come out. Now, will they win it at the end? I don't know if they have enough. But if they start getting a little bit more healthier, get some guys to play above themselves. Obviously, Jimmy Butler's going to continue to do what he does. I, I just like the grit and the grind, and obviously I, I'm a Laker hater. So I, I'm going to still rock with the, the Miami Heat to maybe uh, be able to pull this thing, out. at least make it interesting and maybe take it to a game six.
0: Yeah, it certainly has a feeling kind of like what you're saying, O.C., where the big bad guy in the movie is actually going to be the one that wins. Unfortunately, it's not a Hollywood <laughs> ending where all the guys rattle around each other. and uh, It would be great, though, and I just, I just love – jimmy buckets i just i love his attitude i love that he told his family thanks but no thanks you're not coming to the bubble this is a business trip all those guys were so excited to see their families jimmy butler just said not nah, told them they can stay home okay this is a business trip i just love everything about him so hopefully he can rally some stuff up but we'll see all right gentlemen well that's week four in the books
1: appreciate it man and tell your girl to stop snitching on me <laughs> <laughs>
0: Legitimately, they hit me with a nine one one text and really thought like she was like busting Zoe out and thought I was gonna be livid. She's like, she she said to me like three times. She's like, "Wait, you're not upset?" I said, "No, baby, you shouldn't be upset either. It's normal for people to do shows all the." She thought people like she had no idea that like Stephen A. Smith would go do like somebody else's radio show or whatever. She thought that was cheating. Anyways, good times. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Appreciate All right. you. See you later.